Well, good morning, Gateway. Good to see you. Good to be here. It's always good to be in the house of God, to begin a week together. And uh, Jay, thanks for the team, everybody that played a hand in that. I tell you what, when that drummer Dave gets into that box and starts banging around, that guy's awesome, isn't he? Woo! Woo! Good things. Good things. Good things. All good things, but I've got a sad thing. We've lost a member this week. You may know uh, Rick Altizer, a part of our church family, part of our group. He, f- he feels like family, an interesting guy, lovely man. But uh, late Thursday night or early Friday morning, he moved out of his home in Hidden Valley and moved to his mansion on the other side of Jordan. So... Victory in Jesus, right? Victory in Jesus. Listen, please pray. Uh, our, our group is, is hurting some, but not near like his family. Uh, Rick has a, a teenage son, Brett, uh, comes here and worships uh, with us, uh, often with Rick. He's got a daughter. Rick has a daughter, married daughter, that lives in the house with him. So there's a big hole in that home today. And we, we encourage you to lift Rick and his family in your prayers. Uh, they need to know that God loves them. And we do too, but we need to show them God's love. So would you join me before the message? Would you bow with me? And we'll just have a word of prayer for that family and ask God's presence and his care for them. Let's pray. God, thank you for your, your wonderful mercies that are new and fresh every morning. And God, today we ask for a a big supply to fill in that home in Hidden Valley that's lost uh, a presence there, uh, someone of uh, of value to you and certainly value to that family. Lord, we pray that you would bless Molly and her husband. Uh, Care for Brett. Lord, hold them with a grip that's tight enough that they will not only feel your squeeze, but that they'll feel your warmth. And Lord, maybe through the way your church responds in this loss and this opportunity to be the hands of Christ, the heart of Christ, that they may not only see that we care, but Lord, may they feel and know in a very brand new way that, that you care for them. Lord, so we pray that they will look to you for strength and that in you they will find grace, they will find endurance, they will find the ability this day to move one foot ahead of the other. And Lord, if you give any of us another day, we pray that you will give them strength on that day too. But today, we ask for today's supply, and we thank you and we trust you in the victorious name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, the students are dismissed. If you want to, I don't think we could hold them back. I think they're splitting. They're getting out of here. Well, we began a sermon series a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's about faith that works. And we said the starting point for a faith that works is knowing where you are relationally to Jesus. 
And we're building this whole message, this whole sermon series out of the little book of James that many scholars believe is the first book of the New Testament that was written before, before the Gospels, before uh, Paul's letters to the churches was this little book of James written. And it's kind of stuck toward the last, uh, it, toward the tail end of the uh, New Testament. But it's a book all about the importance of faith and the importance of works and the marriage between the two. In our last message here, uh, Matt Oliver spoke about the persecution of the early Christians. And he said that this faith that works, works even when you're under trials, when hard things are happening. And the first century church knew about hard things. They were persecuted to the extent that the 8th chapter of Acts, verse 1, says that they fled their homes. They were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And, but four verses later, I'm sorry, three verses later in the fourth verse, it says they didn't leave their faith behind when they left their homes behind. Because it said that as they went... They preached the word. So it was like the Christians fleeing their homes. They were all on missionary journeys. And the gospel was being preached everywhere they went. Because they had a faith that worked. Even in the middle and the heart of those trials. We have trials too. We have persecutions too. Uh, Even today, we may not have the same persecution in a way that they did, the same imprisonment, the same execution that they did because of their faith. But even in our country that was built largely on Christian principles, we have trouble. You may have heard of Jack uh, Jack Phillips, who was a baker in Colorado. He was was harassed for over a decade, bombarded with requests to make cakes that violated his position as a Christian. And he refused those requests, not that he wanted to hurt anybody, but that he wanted to be true to his sincere and deepest beliefs. And yet, he was dragged in and out of court for years simply for trying to run his business as a Christian. That case landed before the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said that the state of Colorado was actively hostile in their approach to to, uh, Jack's business and violated his religious beliefs and also violated his First Amendment rights in siding with him. He knows about persecution, but we do too. And not just persecution for our faith, but persecution, as James says, trials... Of all kinds. Very likely for our faith. But we've also suffered trials. Maybe because of our faith. Maybe, maybe not. But vocational trials. We faced relational trials. Economic trials. Health trials. uh, Mental health. Physical health. All kinds of problems we face. All kinds of testing do we face. But our faith works. In the middle of those tests. And we learned a couple of weeks ago that God allows these tests for three primary reasons. To perfect us, to correct us, and redirect us. And we ended that message with this verse, and I love the verse, James 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trials. For when he has stood the test... He will receive the crown of life which God promised to those who love Him. 
Well, today, we're going to move on to verses 13, 14, and 15, shifting gears from trials to another topic. Let's listen to this in verses 13 through 15. Let no one say when he's tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. And then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So as you may guess, today we're talking about temptation. We have a faith that works when we're facing temptation. Now before we go any further, let's define what temptation is. It's an enticement. To do evil or to do a good thing in a bad way. In a bad way. And we know about temptation. I can tell by looking. You know about temptation. Yeah. You all know about temptation. I, we, we've known about temptation since we were little. Four-year-old little girl knew about temptation when she would crawled into the kitchen. When she walked into the kitchen, climbed up on a stool, and began munching the cookies. Her mama just told her, you're not going to eat any cookies until after dinner. We don't want to spoil your appetite. But she was caught red-handed. And she said to her mom, mom, it's not my fault. Honest. I just climbed up on the stool to smell the cookies, and my teeth got stuck. <laughs> we know about temptation. We've known about it for, for a long time. You want to do well on a test, but you're tempted to cheat to make sure you get a better grade. You want to eat a certain food. You love to eat a certain food, but you're tempted to eat too much of it. Can you say Kroger Private Selections? Sea salt, caramel, ice cream. Man, that stuff. If you've not had Sunday lunch yet, which you haven't, you might want to eat it in the freezer department of Kroger. That stuff is fantastic. But if you eat too much of it, it's too much of it. And that, that goes to gluttony. Maybe you want to buy something, but you just don't have the funds to buy it. And so you're tempted to steal to get what you don't have. Or you look at someone who's not your spouse and your gaze lasts a little too long and those thoughts, they turn to a, a dark place and maybe sinful behavior. And we could spend a lot of time talking about different temptations and trying to list them all, but that would be an unending list. But the point we're making right now initially with the book of James is that you cannot blame the temptations on God. God doesn't tempt us. God will not tempt us. He doesn't tempt us. And there's a difference. He tests us. And there's a difference between a temptation and a testing. In a test, something is happening to us. And it's often bad. Not always bad, but it's often bad. And in that test, God wants to see your level of faith. He wants to see your level of righteousness. Maybe He's trying to gauge the measure of your character. But in a temptation, this, there's a desire, an enticement, a desire to do something evil or to do a good thing in a bad way. And God's not in that kind of business. Something bad is happening, good is happening, but you allow your desire to please yourself, overtake your desire to please God, and that gives in and you give in. 
So don't blame God for the temptation. You can blame the devil for temptation, but not for your, but not for your response to that temptation. Now, do you remember the old Flip Wilson line? The devil made me do it. Now, how you young people can remember that or where, I have no idea. But that's what he said, and it wasn't true. The devil didn't make him do it, and the devil doesn't make us do it. But let's, let's, let's just kind of think for a moment. You can, you can blame the devil for the temptation, obviously, but not our response to it. But why did James go from trials, our temptations, uh, straight to temptations from trials in this first chapter of the book of James? Well, there's a connection between the two. Between our trials and our temptation. And the first century church, again, we're going to talk about that just for a minute. They knew the connection. Remember, they had left their homes. They had to flee their homes because of their trials, their persecutions. And they landed in this Roman culture, in the Roman world. And there was, it, was, it was a godless climate ruled by people like Emperor Nero. You can read the writings of Tacitus to see what... Uh, some of the things that were going on, but Christians were shown no mercy. They were harassed. They were denied jobs. Whatever property they may have had was often confiscated. They were arrested on bogus charges of, of a sedition or blasphemy. They were tortured. Executed in unimaginable, unspeakable ways. And in the middle of that... In the middle of those kinds of pressures and trials, they faced, these Christians faced two primary temptations. First, the temptation to assimilate into the pagan culture. And by that I mean to look like everybody else, to dress like everybody else, to kind of blend in with everybody else. And if that means watering down my faith to make that happen, well, then that's just the way it has to be. Because I want to blend in. They were tempted to just give up the, 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 the integrity of their faith. And the second point is, they were tempted to denounce their faith altogether. That was their second temptation. Maybe no one had told them it could be hard to be a follower of Christ. Maybe no one had told them you might have to give up your home, you might have to leave your home, uproot your family to, in order to save your life and limb. So they were tempted in these two ways. One, to water down their faith or maybe give it up altogether. But I don't think it's any different today. I don't think it's any different for us. We're tempted to look like the culture around us, to fit in, to be like them. We want to dress like they dress and not bring attention because of our faith upon ourselves. It's like a lot of military recruits. When I went in and some of you guys, gals, when you went in, you probably heard this same advice. Keep your head down. Keep your mouth closed. Don't volunteer for anything. Just blend in. And that's what these first century Christians were tempted to do. And that's what we're tempted to do. And if they didn't blend, and if they, in particular they, didn't blend in well enough, they might get caught, arrested, and uh, they had a choice to make. Either renounce their faith, or walk away from their faith, or die. And that's a tough choice. That will be a tough choice. But I love that verse in Revelation, chapter 12, verse 11, that speaks to these people. 
explains why there's victory over Satan. And this is what it says. It's because the believers conquered him. Now the context of that is Satan. This him is Satan. It's because these believers conquered Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And listen to this. For they loved not their lives even unto death. If you have a faith that works, then it works when you're facing temptation. And let me tell you how. We've got three ways that our faith that works helps us when dealing with temptation. One, it'll help restrain your desire. Verse 14, we just read it, but let's take another look. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. By his own desires. Now before we jump to conclusion, let's not just automatically say all desires are bad and all desires are of Satan because that's not the case. Desire is what makes your life fun and interesting. And so let's take a look at Psalm 37 and verse 4 to see where these desires come from. Delight yourself, this is Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. So our desires are a gift from God to those who align themselves with him and delight in him. Your desire for good food. Your desire for a good rest. For a happy family. For a great marriage. Your desire for fun and travel and adventure. Or maybe your desire for for a, a simpler stay-at-home life, just, just some nice quality TV time with your family, watching wholesome TV, or your desire for intimacy. All of these desires are gifts from God. The problem comes in when we try to satisfy those desires beyond the limits of God's design. Eating is a good idea, but gluttony is sinful. Taking a break or relaxing, I would say chilling, but I don't say chilling. So I'm just going to say relaxing or taking a break is a good idea. Unless it's taken too far and that can lead to the sin of gluttony. Intimacy is a great idea, but beyond the bounds of marriage, of God's limits, it leads to the sin of adultery. So delight yourself in God and He will give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you all that you need and then some. But if you allow your desires to go too far and leave the confines of God's design and begin playing with fire, that's when you're going to have trouble. And that's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. God gave them so many blessings, satisfied so many desires. He withheld one thing. And that's the one thing they wanted. And Satan says, God's lying to you. You misunderstood. God didn't say that. You won't surely die. So they gave in and they died. If you know... If you know you have a strong desire for a certain food or a certain habit or a certain behavior, then set up boundaries. Know yourself well enough to set up limits within the design of God's, uh, of God's order. 
And when you get to those boundaries, it's far easier to say no then because that decision was already made. You already decided that before you got there. Don't play with fire. That's the way faith, uh, 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 faith that works will, will help us. The second thing, the second thing that it will do, it'll help us see the deception. A faith that works helps us see beyond the trap and see the deception. Look one more time at the middle part of verse 14 where it says, We are lured and enticed by our own desires. Now, lured speaks to me of fishing. Maybe some of you guys and gals, that word, you're ready to forget dinner, let's just go to the lake. Let's just throw something on the hook and throw some bait on there. And I, I probably, I would more likely spend my lunch rather at the lake. I would spend mine at the frozen food section at the ice cream at Kroger. <laughs> Before I would go fishing. But I know a little bit about traps. I know a little bit about, you know, bait. And Joy and I were traveling. It's been a few years ago now. One of the back roads, I believe, of South Carolina. And on those back roads, we saw just a little, a little store, a little cafe of some kind. Not much traffic goes by there. But they had a big sign in the windows. In, in, in the window. Barbecue and Bait. Not me. Not doing it. I'm not going in there and say, give me a barbecue with everything. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just not going to do that. But we, 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 we know a little bit about bait. We know a little bit about lure. This, this thing in James reminds me of fishing. Now, a fisherman will put a, some bait on a hook and kind of toss it out there. And when the fish starts to nibble or maybe takes a big bite, you jerk the, the rod and the hook is set. And the fish is caught. But we are not fish. We're smart enough. Most of the time we can see what's going on. We can see through Satan's tricks and know that that's off limits. That's not permissible. That's not for me. That's not healthy. But we may not want to see through it. But we can normally see the deception of the trap. And if we need to ask, God is ready to open our eyes to the truth that's going on. But too often we want to play with fire. We find ourselves playing with the fire. We've got to do better than those four ladies at the retirement home. Now I didn't do real well with this the first service. I'm going to do a little better this time, I hope. But these four ladies were playing cards at the retirement center and they saw a new fellow walking by. They'd never seen him before. One lady said, You new here? I just moved in today. Second lady said, where are you moving from? Got out of prison this morning. This is my, I'm, I'm here. I'm moving in. The third lady said, what were you in for? I murdered my wife. Fourth lady looked up with a gleam in her eye, said, so you're single? We got to do better than play with fire. We can be so easily led astray by our own desires, our own selfish desires, our own selfish desires. That's why I think James wrote what he did in verses 5 through 8 of this same passage. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. 
But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man. Unstable in all of his ways. Now most of the time... We can see through the deception. Most of the time we kind of know what's going on. If we stop and we look at it. But sometimes. Sometimes we need more wisdom. And the amazing thing is. All we have to do is ask God for the wisdom. And he will give it to us generously. And when we get it. We can use it for our spiritual benefit. When we have knowledge, we have the information. When we have wisdom, we know what to do with that information. And when we have godly wisdom, we know how to use that information for our spiritual benefit and in ways that will bring Him glory. Now, if there's only one thing that I say right today, I hope it's this. I hope it's this. Because everyone who wears the name of Christ, whether they're a young person, middle age, later in life, we need to listen up and learn that every temptation, every temptation that comes our way is wrapped in a lie. Satan is saying, you won't surely die. Satan says, you deserve this, you need this, you've got to have this, everybody else has this. God is lying to you, but in fact, Satan is the one who is lying. Ask God for wisdom. To see Satan's deception, ask God help you see the consequences of the sin that you're contemplating. Ask God for a faith that works when you're faced with temptation. And the third way that this faith that works will help us is it will help us stay alive in Christ. Temptation could be the death of you if not handled properly with the wisdom of God. Look at verse 15. Desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Some older versions, the King James, I know, uses the word, not desire, but it uses the word lust. Lust uh, leads to sin. Sin leads to death. LSD, that was the LSD of the scripture that we talked about for so long. Unfortunately, the lives of many Christians, leaders in the church, uh, preachers and teachers, uh, big names that you would recognize nationally and maybe globally, People who have started strong, but not finished well. Because they gave in to the temptation to satisfy their own desires. They lost the battle with temptation and gave in. Or maybe just walked away from their faith completely. Names you might recognize. I think of Paul Maxwell. Now, I'm I'm not throwing stones. I'm just, I'm using essentially his words. Paul Maxwell wrote a book used by a lot of people, maybe maybe on a lot of uh, college or church library shelves, called Desiring God, a great book. But after he wrote that book, he said, I'm through with my faith. He would tell you that. Josh Harris wrote an amazing book about Christian purity. He said, I kissed dating goodbye, and it's been used... 
I, I'm, not, I'm not overstating. It's by millions of Christians and churches as they wanted to understand biblically what it means to be pure before Almighty God. And Josh Harris in 2019, he said, I'm through with my faith. I'm through with my faith. Unfortunately, it's not about starting well. It's about finishing the course that God has planned out for us. That God has called us to do. They lost the battle to temptation. And that's, a, that, that's a, something we struggle with. We've got to overcome. Don't play with fire. That list, of, there's a couple of people that, that have said, I'm done with my faith. You know of far more. You know of far more. That list could be very long. But listen to what Paul writes. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let's look at one more. Let's look at King David, the shepherd king. King David, I'm sure you're familiar with the story, or most of you probably are. He lingered on, the, on his balcony a little too long. And he saw Bathsheba bathing on her rooftop below. And he allowed his desires to lead to sin, which led to death. It led to the death of Bathsheba's husband, it led to the death of the infant that came as a result of this sin. And it might have even led to David's own spiritual death. Had God not confronted him with the prophet Nathan. And this morning we read for our uh, focus time. Psalm 51. And there we read about David's repentance. Repentance from, from that sin. Re, re, restoration from a path that was leading to spiritual death. But please know this. Even... If, or shall I say when, we give in to temptation and sin, there is a way out. Paul wrote this wonderful verse to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. He says, no temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. But God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. But will with the temptation... He'll provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You see, God wants us to win these battles. He wants us to win. And He gives us, he gives us the fulfillment and the satisfaction for every good desire He's placed in our hearts. So let's listen to how James wraps this all up. Verses 16 through 18. Don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift... And perfect gift is from our Father. It's from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought forth, brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Our God is the source of our fulfillment within his plan. All of our desires. So let me wrap it up with three questions. And praise team, if you'd like to uh, go ahead and begin making your way up. We're, we're winding this down really quick. There's, there's three questions. Paul 
or I'm sorry, James in this section wrote about how God brought us forth by the word of truth. So I just want to ask you, have you been born again by and through this word of truth? Are you living in the power of the Holy Spirit helping you to overcome the temptations in your life? And are you staying alive in Christ knowing that His death means your victory? If you can't say a resounding yes to all three of those, then let's take care of that today. Because we all need a faith that works. Will you pray with me please? God, thank you for your spirit. God, we are pressed in on every side with temptation sometimes that appears to be on the surface too great, too powerful. But Lord, we know there is no one better than you. There is no one who loves us more. No one who's pulling for our victory any more than you are. And you have supplied the power by which we may overcome. By having a faith that works. God, we rejoice in that faith today. And we'll rejoice forevermore till you call us home. Because of the victory of Christ Jesus. Lord, if there's here those today who need to take a step of faith to know you better, to serve you stronger, to, to have a need just uh, lifted in prayer, we pray that you will give them the courage to come, to step out, and find out your plan and your purpose for their life as they live and walk in the love and in the light of Jesus Christ. For Lord, that's our prayer this morning. In Christ's name, amen. This morning, I'm going to be up here to your left. If there's anything that you would like to share, you want a prayer, you want to know about another step of faith, you want to know what baptism or repentance or anything is all about, you just, you just want to share a little bit, please, I'll be up here to your left. Come talk and, and we'll visit.